0: Cube Radio.
1: You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabrielle Gelina. Good day, everyone, and welcome to this 12th episode of uh, the Car Guide podcast. My name is LP. I'm with Gab, my co-host yet again. Hi, Gab. How are you? (laughs) Salut, LP. You were just back from uh, the New York Auto Show. We're going to talk about that uh, first and foremost. Uh, And after that, a couple of drives and an event, a Jeep event that you went, a very um, off-road adventure at Jeep (laughs) that you did, and we want to know all about that. I was, uh, for my part, driving the very, very um, uh, well-in-demand Toyota Prius Prime, the new fifth-generation Toyota Prius Prime, and you drove the Mazda CX-90 and the absolutely uh, controversially-looking BMW M2, but oh, so probably delightful to drive, and I can't wait to <laughs> hear about that. But uh, first, we'll kick things off with uh, the New York Auto Show. I, I didn't get the occasion to go because I was driving something else, but you were on site um, for uh, the several unveilings at the New York. How first off, how did you um, how did you find the uh, overall experience at the show? I mean, I, I, every time this year we. A look at a new show or we attend a new show we say oh well there's you know it's not quite there yet uh, how did you uh, how, how did New York compare well
0: basically it was basically just the same as last year you know so you had very few manufacturers that were present um, and very few press conferences as a matter of fact press day was pretty much one morning you know from 8 o'clock till about 1 or 2 in the afternoon oh ok and, so know, it was, it was limited it. to a day yeah, exactly so you had a, very few manufacturers were were doing press conferences um, you know obviously Ram was there with the EV uh, pickup truck um, you also had uh, Kia with this EV9 Hyundai with the Kona the new Kona Right. both vehicles we've Already talked about because yes. we were, yes. we were at the reveal yeah. prior. Yeah. Actually, New York was their first public appearance on North American soil for, right. the, for those two vehicles. But well, you had uh, seen it in, uh, in South Korea. The, yeah, uh, South the, Korea the for now. the EV9 and Berlin for the, uh, for the Kona. But, you know, there are a few, a few other things. Um, Subaru uh, introduced a wilderness version of the Cross Trek, which right. was just launched uh, a few, a few months back. So. <clears throat> Again, uh, you know, not that much in terms of news, not that much in terms of new vehicle reveals, but still, you know, uh, New York is, is is a big market for uh, for the North American uh, region, yep. and so you know, much like every other car show in North America, it's becoming more of a more of a regional affair, more of a dealer supported yeah. kind of event. Um, yeah and we've said this before I think in North America the only one that's maybe going to survive on a large scale or larger scale <laughs> largest largest scale would be the uh, Los Angeles Auto Show right because right. you know it's California at the end of the year at right? <laughs> end of the year exactly but nevertheless so uh, a couple of interesting things you know Genesis uh, introduced uh, a concept which they called the GV80 Coupe so yes if we already know what the SUV looks like so imagine basically the, uh, uh, the x6 bmw x6 yeah. treatment
1: to uh <laughs> to a genesis gv80 and you get you get the picture i know how you like uh, <laughs> coupe suvs we've <laughs> talked about that before but nevertheless it's gonna uh, it's gonna enable genesis to compete with some of these german uh, uh manufacturers like you mentioned the, the yeah, x 6 exactly uh,
0: so you know this car obviously it's a concept but it's a concept in name only In that if they want to build it it's going to be you know snap your fingers and oh, yeah. and, and it's built. It kind of looks pretty bready yeah. Yeah, yeah, when exactly. you look at the concept it looks like production. <laughs> we, we even have uh, pictures inside. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 but uh, I mean, you know, for, it, it's a concept so they had a, some sort of a roll cage in there. They yeah, had, I saw you know, that. Bucket yeah. four, bucket seats. Evidently, they're trying to Pitch this model as more of a performance-oriented variant of the the GV80, right? Uh, so I think that's going to be the, the 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 plan for this vehicle. But you can bet your bottom dollar that's coming soon to a Genesis showroom because yes. you know the engineering is already done, right? <laughs> you know, it's basically going to be the same uh, power plants and the same. You know, they might tweak the engine a bit to give that one a little bit more power and things like that. But you know, essentially, what you've got is a a coupe-looking SUV. Yeah, as, a little as less. As opposed cargo- to a cool-looking SUV. Yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 yeah that's <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah, exactly. uh, and, and a little less. Uh, Probably cargo volume. If, yeah, of like, cargo. We we don't yeah. have the figures yet. We obviously, don't have the but, figures, but you can expect it, Of course, if if you, it's got a, yeah. it's
0: got a, a slanted uh, a tailgate, uh, you know, essentially, yeah, yeah, y- you're gonna give up some some sort of cargo uh, cargo room in there. Sometimes
1: sure. uh, rear passenger headroom yeah, as well. That, that too, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and but always a little bit lower on cargo volume. Yeah, exactly. Um, something else that uh, finally uh, was. Uh, shown to the, prob- the public is the uh, Ram REV, uh, full electric, full size pickup truck, 1500 uh, class pickup truck late to the party uh, yeah, for sure. after, you know, the, uh, the Ford F-150 uh, Lightning and uh, we saw the Sierra uh, EV and uh, all these vehicles are not quite the- on our roads except for the Lightning, but uh, this REV was expected and uh, f- is finally here. It's a I think I think it's like a 2025 or something. Uh it's it's not quite there, but it boasts impressive numbers uh with a battery option that gives up to 500 miles, 800 kilometers of range. Uh you'll tell me that all depends on what you put behind that truck and what temperature it is. Yeah, exactly. But I guess if you're going to be late to the party, you better show up with some muscle yeah. and I think I think Ram did that.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's got a 800 volt electrical system, you know, it's got huge battery capacity and it's going to weigh, you know, <laughs> and you know, an insane uh, figure in terms of in terms of uh, of weight. Yes. Um, we don't really have all the technical information on the the vehicle, mm-hmm. but uh, and of course they're going to uh, let us, you know, it's going to be the slow drip process with right. that with the reveal for uh, technical specifications because, quite frankly, it's got a, a ways to go before it hits the market. So 2025. They, exactly. it's so, so, it's <laughs> so they've got to keep it in the news for a while. Yeah. So, you know, introduction in New York City but, uh, yeah, we're going to find out more and more about this vehicle as the months uh, roll by and as uh, Ram is willing to, to, to share the information yeah. with regards to technical specifications.
1: Because they want people, or Ram customers, to say, oh, you know what, I'll hang on to my truck for now and I'll wait for that one or Ford customers that are not willing to go through to Lightning or, or, or GM for, for the same matter so the trickle of information is gonna come and people are gonna say well okay well might hold on for that truck because it has more range it, it shows more range it shows more capability so mm. we'll have to see if that's really true and uh, how how it, uh, it, it can handle our Canadian winters uh, and then we'll stand by for that another um, Truck uh, things that happened at the, in New York was a Jeep Wrangler, the new Jeep Wrangler.
0: Yeah, exactly, Jeep Wrangler. That was um, uh, an interesting. Uh, it, it's not a. It's you know can't really say it's a brand new model. It's the 2024 model. But basically what it is is a significant upgrade to the existing Jeep Wrangler lineup. Now, when you look at it, you'll say all Wranglers look, look the same. <laughs> yeah, because it still looks like a Wrangler. <laughs> exactly. <I mean. laughs> and this one uh, definitely still does look like, like a Wrangler. But the, the most significant thing in terms of <clears throat> the looks is that from now on, all the 2024 Wranglers are going to have the front grill the new front grill that was designed for the 20th anniversary version of the 2023 Wrangler so basically uh, a new look for the uh, the front end of uh, the vehicle yeah more off road capabilities uh, with regards to the Rubicon model mm-hmm. because they've added a full float uh, Dana yeah, uh, saw very axles in, at the back.
1: Like going into the parts bin and picking up some au- yeah.
0: hardcore off-road stuff. Exactly. So it's going to become even more um, capable as far as off-roading is concerned. And also, uh, which is the reason why they went with the Dana full float 44, is because you can then uh, install some 35... Uh, inch tires as right. opposed to the 33 inch tires that come standard mm-hmm. so jeep is going to offer now as an option 35 inch tires yeah for that model so you won't have to go to an aftermarket you know it'll come straight from the factory yes and you can e- you'll even e- be able to fit 40 uh, inch tires on okay. this but
1: that it's a, a lot, lot of rubber.
0: Yeah, Jeep <laughs> is not going to supply that as an OEM, yeah. uh, uh, original equipment manufacturer. But of course, all the aftermarket <laughs> yeah. are going to be able to jump <laughs> so, on it. Exactly. I also and saw, yeah. So the, it's going to be much more capable. And, and the, the most more thing I think, well, not the most, but one of the most important thing is a new screen. So twelve point three inch screen. Yeah, uh, it was a very small in the other. Uh, yeah, it's it still a vertical, very vertical yes, screen, but but, but, but recta- rectangular now. But much you know, larger. And, yeah. yeah, easier, probably easier to uh, to navigate as a as a touch as a touchscreen. Yeah, all that.
1: Um, so, yeah, and new capability too. I saw that for five thousand uh, pound towing. Yeah, towing. Cap- yeah, 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 that's what you get
0: with the Rubicon with with the, all the gear the in Dana it. Dana forty four. Yeah, so it used right.
1: to be 3,500, I think yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. No, so it's because, because of that
0: new design for the rear end. Uh, you're able to have not only more off-road capability, but also increase the towing, and so yep. then you know you can you can start getting into some fairly sizable
1: toys that you can pull back there. Yeah, there's a lot of competition in that segment now. I, I well, mean, with I, the Bronco. With Obviously, the Bronco, yeah, exactly. but uh, also all the lighter variants of everything, yeah. a little bit rugged, not yeah. in the same class as off-roader, or, you know, like body-on-frame trucks, but the SUVs are getting more protection plates, uh, lift kits, and, and whatnot. And then there's so many... There's so many choices now you can get, and and everybody's picking things here and there in the in the aftermarket parts bin to say, well, yeah. we're using this component, we're using this suspension, this and that. So I mean, Jeep has to keep has to keep being the best, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the 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 ultimate offroader, and and it's you know doing doing so is increasing capability, but also increasing the gadget level because everybody's now has, you know, you, you mentioned the screen. There's probably now, Jeep ha- added a whole bunch of apps, off-roading, uh, uh, you know, like uh, functions that you can use to be able to, not doing old school, you know, but actually have cameras everywhere and do it, you know. Yeah, I did some
0: off-roading also uh, lately in, in, in Moab, Utah. And I yes. can tell you that like that front-facing camera, <laughs> that's uh, when you're going off-road, yeah. it's, it's, it's a godsend, yes. really, you know, and even also the rear-facing camera, because all these cameras in- allow you to know exactly where you're placing your wheels, and when you're going off-road, that's such a key, uh, key, uh, key thing to do. So, yeah. so even when you're maneuvering or you're, you know, you, God's sake, you have to make a U-turn or whatever, and you're in a rock pile, well, those cameras really, really help. Yes. You know, there's one thing that I suggested to the Jeep engineers that they should put on, and they said we're looking at it. What?
1: Rear-wheel steer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, the, you, like the GMC Hummer, for example, yeah, that we... but uh, also, you know,
0: even uh, even a Wrangler with a short wheelbase, yeah. when you're thinking about off-roading, sometimes you're in a really tight spot, you know, in between two rock walls and things like that. Mm-hmm. So to have the ability to have rear wheel steer yep. come into play you know that would be it. yeah they're looking at it <laughs> oh well, we're looking
1: at it but yeah definitely it's definitely something that would keep you know we're talking about edge yeah, exactly. this is it right yeah, you know exactly. you want to you keep and, on you top know,
0: that's so. it I, I spent uh, two days with the uh, Ford engineers out in Moab and those guys are really really sharp I mean they know their customers yeah they know what they want they know they follow all the trends the, you know the, the uh, aftermarket stuff and they're they're on the ball I gotta tell you yeah they, I mean these these things are so capable and it's only when you go drive them in that kind of environment that you realize you know just how How capable how capable they are because nobody you know in their right mind would go on an off-road adventure i mean some people do by yourself but here you're in a convoy you're with all these guys who know mm -hmm. everything people who know the trail yeah so you surprise yourself by doing things that you never thought that yes. you or the vehicle could do could do, uh, you know, But because you're in that kind of environment where you're being coached all the way, it's uh, it was a really cool experience.
1: Yeah, mm. it's I mean it's the Jeep commu- the Jeep Wrangler community is mm. is all there's also yeah, yeah. so much that you that they have to do not to necessarily keep it but to capitalize on it because yeah, exactly. I my first car was a uh, was a, a ninety five uh, Jeep YJ yeah, with a six it. cylinder yeah. and uh, when I, the first time I laid eyes on that truck I was like this thing can go anywhere I didn't yeah. use it to do that but it was so impressive and so uneasy to drive on the road at the, de- at the time that I absolutely loved it. But, but, yeah. But you're right. You know, I also met at the New
0: York Auto Show, Christian Meunier, who's the, yes. the Frenchman who is the CEO of Jeep Worldwide. Yes. And he said to me, he's, uh, he says, we don't sell transportation. We sell fun. Mm-hmm. We sell a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, in many ways, they're like Harley-Davidson, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. the key thing, the key difference between Jeep and Harley-Davidson, Jeep has a lot of interest from millennials, from young people mm. that are very interested in this brand because of this idea of freedom, because of this idea that you can go anywhere and things like that. Whereas harley Davidson has totally missed that completely. You know, it's a brand for older guys and yeah. it will keep on being the same thing. But now the, the millennials are interested by things like the 4XE. You know the the hybrid, yes. uh, rechargeable hybrid for a Jeep. Yeah, you know, and the fact that you can drive it in on electric mode in 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 a trail somewhere in total silence. You know exactly. So I, all and, of that uh, uh, appeals to them, and this idea again of freedom, and so young people are still captivated, fascinated by what is essentially at the beginning. Was a military vehicle that evolved into a Uh civilian vehicle that evolved into a brand. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, it was never the plan to make the Jeep brand a brand. It was a vehicle, you know. And
1: they would, they would have never thought that people who drive on opposite sides of the road with Jeeps would wave (laughs) at each other, (laughs) saying, "Hey, how are you? I'm a Jeep owner as well." You know, that's pretty interesting.
0: That was uh, so. Again, a pretty, a very cool um, vehicle. And Obviously, to me. You know, there's, there's all these power plants that are involved uh, with the uh, available with the, the Wrangler, the 392, obviously, which is a huge overkill. Yes, but you've got you know the the, the six cylinder engines. But I think for me, you know, the most relevant power plant for that truck is the uh, the 4xe. Yeah, you, know, you so mentioned you got that your your four cylinder and the electric motor, and that
1: that makes a world of difference. You oh, know. Very capable off road, like very, yes, you said. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Good. Gab, a vehicle that we've been talking about over and over again, and you were one of the first uh, journalists here in Canada to drive that vehicle, the new Hyundai INX 6. Yeah. And uh, again, Hyundai uh, went to the show uh, got a whole bunch of of prizes like last year this time it's the Ioniq 6 what did Hyundai exactly get well exactly um at the New York Auto Show one of the, the
0: actually the very first press conference of the day is what's known as the World Car of the Year Awards now the what what's the World Car of the Year Awards it's basically it's a it's a jury of 105 uh, journalists from 35 different countries. So it's very much an international thing. And uh, I'm I'm part of that. I'm one of those 105 yep. members. Yep. There are three of us from Canada. And the rest are, you know, everywhere, like I said, from 35 countries. But basically, you know, we vote on different vehicles for different categories. And this year, what happened is that the Ionic 6 won uh, three uh, World Car Awards uh it won the uh electric car of the year it won the design of the year yep. and it won the overall title of car of the year and um uh, so that's a pretty good sweep yeah exactly <laughs> and it it was a second straight sweep for Hyundai because the year prior it was Ioniq 5 that got the same right. same uh, three awards so uh obviously i guess the, the people from Hyundai are are very uh, you know <laughs> Happy about <Yeah>. that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, yeah. Again, so it's a, a significant, uh, significant awards for the uh, the Ionic Six, and now you know w- we've talked about it. The, uh, I had the opportunity to, of driving it in South Korea last year in in twenty twenty two, and uh, now all our Canadian and American colleagues have had the opportunity recently to to drive Ionic Six, and I think everybody is pretty much in agreement yes. that this is a, a true. Tesla Model 3 fighter
1: this uh, is what we want to know in, right in terms it's, of
0: range and in terms of features and uh, so yeah it's a pretty compelling proposition
1: good but if anybody wants to read the yeah, various we reviews we got a lot of, stuff, a lot of on stuff on the it the <laughs> you can go on the site and uh, there's so much stuff on the X 6 if something that you, you're planning on purchasing and, and, and looking at, at this specific segment the IONX 6 did pretty good the, the, this year again in New York
0: So, speaking of test drives, you went recently to California to drive the new toyota Prius prime yeah, so the hybrid with a plug in hybrid I should say that 's right, and uh, with a um, a much different look <laughs> yeah than definitely the outgoing vehicle <laughs>
1: exactly yeah, well, when we saw the fifth generation Prius for the first time, I was like, "Wow, finally, Toyota made it." I would say, approachable. <laughs> Sex, sexier. A little sexier <laughs> yeah. because, you know, within, what, five generations, it was, you, you know, the Prius used to be a little small, a little cute, and then after that it was like sci fi and then a little bit more of a, a, you know, like extraterrestrial looks. I think Toyota was trying to give it, more futuristic look to make it stand em- out yeah, emulate okay. the technologies yeah. that it's using hybrid technology that, it, that it's using and the thing at Toyota now and we spoke about that a couple of episodes ago is that they're not you know they're not ahead in the EV game but they've always been in the hybrid business and on top of it. They've always been on top of this stuff. And then mm-hmm. when Toyota talks about it in the presentation, they say, well, we don't believe in EVs right now, right away. And then we say, well, no, but just because you've believed in hybrids too much and then now you're late to the party. It's There's a big discussion that we can have on that, especially with, you know, people in uh, Toyota uh, that, that kind of trying to justify this. Uh, however, it doesn't take away the fact that uh, Toyota hybrids are very good, uh, except a little Hiccups here and there with cables and stuff like that. If they can keep that away from their their, their vehicles, the performance is good and the uh, and the um, the uh, uh, fuel efficiency is as well. Uh, so my colleague Germain went to try the traditional Prius which is a hybrid normal hybrid and uh, a couple of months later now last week I was in the same area in California to drive the prime uh, version of that Prius uh, prime if you don't know what Toyota is it just means that you can plug it in at home or on a public charger a level 2 charger and you can drive it on a certain uh, distance fully electrical so the Prius kind of the Prius prime ca- can personify an electric car this time because a you used to be about 45 kilometers, 40 or 45 kilometers, I think so, with the, the, the outgoing Prius Prime. Now you can drive it for 70. Uh, it's a game changer for a lot of people because 70 kilometers of commute could be uh, much more importantities on there. But also, it has much more power. And, you know, like I say in the video and on the site, if you check out my, my test drive, you'll see that it's not the most it's not the, the most powerful vehicle that we're going to drive at the, at, the, at the car guide this year however with 220 horsepower it's almost 100 horsepower more than the outgoing generation which is mm-hmm. gives it a little bit more um a little bit more it makes it a little bit more attractive uh, to a certain class of buyers that you mentioned also the styling uh which is uh pretty you know in my opinion it's 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 something that uh, it's uh, it makes it more approachable, and it's uh, definitely prettier than the outgoing generation. Uh, the uh, new Prius also has a new interior, uh, which uh, uh, would an int- uh, 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 instrument cluster that uh, kind of takes inspiration from the uh, BZ4X, the electric car. Um instrument cluster that is kind of it's cluttered uh, it's high it kind of emulates a uh, a, um, head-up display display without being one it's kind of um, uh, something that i didn't particularly appreciate from the vehicle however the 12.3 inch uh, infotainment screen is definitely something that's uh, revolutionary in that vehicle because it gets the new toyota Infotainment system interface, which is much easier than what it used to be. I mean, you remember mm-hmm. how how that infotainment system was a little a little bit harder to uh, to operate, and also gets um, a little bit more space, a little bit more comfort. I mean, I I drove for about a full day in the in the Prius, and it's a very small car. It's not very big, you know. It's it's uh, compared to everything we drive now is always SUVs, a little bit more headroom, a little bit a little bit more space, uh, and it's. A compact car, but it doesn't quite feel like one. I felt very comfortable, very roomy. And that's part of the dashboard design uh, of the whole thing makes it a little bit more. The slope of the windshield has a lot to do with that as well. Probably does. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're, (laughs) when you're looking in front, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's got so, it was so easy to be better than what it used to be. Yeah. But then again, I think that it's for that, for the price, I'll get to the price a little later, but for the particular, you know, driving dynamics, which are f- totally acceptable. The new power and the fact that you can drive for 70 kilometers, uh, without, uh, without having to, to, uh, to replug or fuel or anything. Uh, that makes a difference. And there's a lot of people are going to be looking at that car. Um, the entry price, uh, is, um, 37,990. And then you get a $5,000 federal incentive. And then wherever the province uh, you live, you, you'll, you'll get another uh, provincial incentive. So it makes it, you know, even if it's a small car, I don't think you get people think, well, I should get more car if I'm going to go 30, you know, upper 30s or 40. The Prius doesn't feel that small. It's got plenty of cargo space as mm-hmm. well. The, 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 you know, and in the rear, it's totally ex- ex- uh, 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 acceptable. The Problem with the Prius Prime is going to be the same problem as the Ravcat, the the Rav Four Prime is. You know, is there going to be supply? Exactly. Now we ask these questions all the time, and then they always answer the same thing. You know, we're we're putting more efforts, and but they have to put more efforts to the RAVCAT, the the Rav Four Prime as well, because people. That's it's where the demand so, is. The demand is right. So how are they going to balance that? Cars are going to be pushed in Quebec and uh, British Columbia at first. So. That's another thing. But uh, like I said, I mean, at, at Toyota, they say, well, you know, it, they don't have another product to compete right mm-hmm. right now. You know, the B, BZ4X, it's hard to compete with that vehicle with, with the other EVs. So a plug-in hybrid with 70 kilometers, I hope Toyota's going to, you know, prepare to make some because people are going to want it. Not only... Prius owners that, you know, wear socks in their sandals, it's not, the Prius is not that anymore. It's the, it's uh, on everybody's car and, 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 you know, it could be, it could be a very good alternative to uh, all the SUVs that are out there. Well, interesting. I hope it does well. And like
0: you said, I hope they are able to manufacture it in significant numbers to, to, to meet
1: with the uh, demand. Yeah. Obviously. Um, You were... Uh, driving a few vehicles. We'll start with the, uh, the one that is more mainstream and then we'll end with the, uh, the absolute <laughs> treat that with I want to <laughs> hear about it because yeah. we haven't even had the time to sp- speak about it before we got into the studio. Uh, the CX90, uh, yeah. Mazda CX90 2023, we spoke about it on the, um, uh, at the presentation and mm-hmm. you gave us the whole layout of the tech and how the materials yeah. and it's, it's kind of flirting with the luxury segments. Now you got to drive it. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, it's the
0: best handling, best driving three-row SUV, period. Wow, <laughs> wow that's a bold statement. Yeah. I like to hear because, that. Because, uh, you know, Mazda's always been known for dynamics, uh, and it's always been known also for uh, uh, the fun-to-drive factor, and this one you know really hits the the nail on the head it is a large vehicle it is a three row suv but it doesn't feel like a three row suv when yeah. you drive it and there's a number of reasons for that because you know they they do a lot with regards to chassis tuning suspension tuning things like that right and they've also got a system uh developed for this vehicle which is called uh, they call kinetic posture control and essentially it's basically um a system that will selectively break the rear inside wheel when you're cornering so that the vehicle can actually turn in better right and they tune the suspension geometry to make it so that you know the, the vehicle handles really really well and doesn't toss you around okay as a passenger or as a driver so the ride is incredibly smooth the vehicle goes faster than it has any right to in corners. <laughs> you know, for, 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 for big, the size. For yeah. the size. And it's really you know, it's it's um it's a it's a great, great feeling. If you if you enjoy driving, that's the one you want to get. Because it's it you know, it'll run circles around a Telluride or a Santa Fe or anything like that. Right. In terms of dynamics, it is the benchmark for three row SUVs. And it handles so well that you're you know, basically the competition is like a German SUV or something like that, you know, from a German brand or, and, but those don't necessarily have three rows except yeah. like the X7 and things like that, which is much larger than what this is. But at any rate, <clears throat> that was really uh, super interesting. And those, the standout, obviously, is the new, uh, six cylinder in line six. We've talked about it uh, a lot, 3.3 liters yes. in line six incredibly smooth, lots of torque. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't give you a, a kick in, in, in the butt under, you know, hard acceleration. Right. But it's, it's so smooth and the power what, just keeps on flowing and it's, it's very, it, it how can I put it? You were talking about balance last yeah, exactly. time, how,
1: how well balanced these, the, yeah. the inline six, any inline six is, but particularly yeah. that one.
0: The smoothness, uh, is it, you know, it, it's like a, it's a creamy power plant. Okay. Know? It's like, yeah, yeah, like oozes the, the, the torque and the power. Okay. It's not you know it, it it won't knock your head back into the the headrest yes, but it it does the job so well okay and it really um it really transforms adds a lot i think to to the the, the driving experience They also have you know the four cylinder turbo with the with the electric uh motor, which is the same torque numbers as the as these in line six. But then, you know, in terms of engine sound, it's a four cylinder. It's a little bit coarser under uh-huh. hard acceleration. The, if you're looking at, you know, looking for something that's smooth and that drives well, yeah, the inline six is the, is, is the is way the to way go. And both are paired now with an eight speed automatic transmission, which does a lot in terms of fuel economy. Yeah. So you're looking at, you know, uh, an average fuel economy number. That's like lower than 10, uh, liters per 100. So that's pretty, pretty darn nice. Even with the PHEV, uh, 2.5 liter with the electric motor, when the, when, when you deplete all of the energy of the battery, it's, it's not that much. It's like 42 kilometers that uh-huh. you, you'll be able to do on electric drive alone. Um, but even when you deplete that, the average fuel economy is 9.4. So.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool because that's one of the things that we didn't like about Mazda. Uh, you know, like we we drove yeah, the all six the vehicles, speed. the yeah. six-speed yeah. that was kind yeah. of like, you know, uh, encouraging the engine of like, like chug, chug, you know, <laughs> to drink more more uh, petrol. Now it's kind of, everything's put into to gear to be able to be attractive to uh, the clientele that wants something that's a little bit more efficient. And uh, I think that's about it. What about... um what about pricing? We're, we're talking about the uh, the uh, y- you know German SUVs being you know close a very close competition and and you know them yeah. being so expensive. Yeah, oh, exactly.
0: Oh. Now this one is pretty pretty good because you're looking at you know base model. Uh, it starts the the GS model, which is the entry level model, is uh, forty five thousand nine hundred dollars. Which is not much for a three-row SUV yeah, when you think about yeah. it. And if you're looking at, you know, the top of the line signature model, uh, you're looking at $63,000. So again, that's it, not half bad. It's no, very, it's a very, very, very attractive good. proposition. Yeah. With regards to, uh, also with, with regards to the styling of the vehicle. I mean, the, the things a knockout. I mean, I really like the exchange. Obviously, this is strictly. You know, personal. Yeah, it, subjective. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, kind of thing. Yeah, but I think it looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. It really looks high end, and the interior is absolutely gorgeous as well. Wow! So the only downside, you know, they're still doing this uh, thing with the uh, infotainment where you have to use the the rotary controller. Oh for, no, for half the features, <laughs> and that. but your Apple CarPlay is a uh, uh, touchscreen. So that's that's okay. good. But they've kept, uh, that rotary controller and that's, yeah, that well, would be, that would be a, a bit of a downside. Yeah. But. And also <clears throat> in terms of uh, cargo room, not as much as, uh, like a Telluride or a Santa Fe. So it's a little bit smaller than, than mm-hmm. that, but still it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it, the compromise
1: you, the on cargo volume sometimes goes yeah. into style. So yeah. it's, it's, especially at Mazda, it's, they're not always the top in versatility, but this one looks really good. Yeah.
0: It drives incredibly well. Okay. And, like, like I said, if you have to have a, a three-row SUV and you enjoy driving, yeah, yeah, that's the one you want—a family hauler with <laughs> exactly. uh,
1: with a little bit, a little bit more punch than the rivals. Yeah. Um, so, the other vehicle, yes, <laughs> <laughs> the, it's it's some of the, one of the last of its kind. You know, like we said at the, at BMW with the uh, the transition to EVs, uh, the M2, yeah, the M2, perfectly sized the sports car.
0: Yeah. In, in well, uh, you know, there first of all. It's going to be, it's the last M car that will strictly be internal combustion.
1: Strictly internal combustion,
0: which is, could be... Which means that the next ones, you know, could be hybrids. Could be hybrid, could be EV, could be, you know... They will be hybrids. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, of (laughs) course, but (laughs) But, eventually all EVs, but then, then again, that's another... So it's the last one that you can get with strictly you know, uh, a, a gas-powered engine that's the only way that you can drive this thing that, oh. that, that moves the M2. Yeah. That, in terms of, um, you know, it's the M2 now, is bigger than before, than the outgoing model. First, it's the second generation M2. Yep. It's bigger than the outgoing model uh, because it's based on the CLAR platform, CLR, CLAR, which underpins the M3 and the M4. Mm-hmm. So in terms of size, it's actually a little bit more like an M4 <laughs> than the outgoing model. You know, it's bigger. It's bigger, car, yeah. You know? yeah. It's wider, uh, it's a little bit longer, it's a little bit taller as well. Um, and um, it's also heavier. Uh, so it weighs just about is very the weight of the M2 is very close now to, to to that of the M4. Okay, because it also has the same engine, <laughs> but <laughs> basically detuned version of the uh, the engine that's that sits in the M3 and the M4. So it produces a little bit less power mm-hmm. uh, in the M2. Uh, we're talking about. 400 exactly 453 horsepower, which is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is 90 horsepower more than the previous generation M2. Mm. So when I was looking at all this size, weight, power of the engine, things like that, I was kind of like worried a little bit that, you know, have we lost... Yeah that's that, what I was going to ask. nimble yeah. handling that you know that because it's almost
1: that, as heavy as an M3 and yeah, exactly. You know,
0: but you know they've done a lot of work with regards to the uh, to the suspension of uh, of this car also yeah. with the the chassis they've done some strengthening at different uh, key areas. And the car just you know yes it is heavier for sure. Uh, but it you don't feel the weight. Yeah. You know it really handles really like a Like the old one used to, even though the old one was lighter and less powerful, this feels just about the same. Okay. It's pretty darn uh, significant. And you can still get, you know, a six-speed manual gearbox, which is what, what I drove it in. And you can get the carbon bucket seats as part of the carbon package. That's like a $13,000 option. (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) so. Buckets of money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, buckets of money for the bucket seats. But essentially, you know, we're talking about price. You know, the the thing is also, you know, gotten to be a little bit expensive because, you know, when you're looking at um, the base price, which is fairly high $76,500 mm-hmm. and the one i drove like i said with that $13 carbon option which is not only the seats but also a couple of yeah. carbon bits $94,350
1: so yeah it's a lot uh, it's a lot of dough for that uh, segment that particular category it's yeah. getting and expensive I, you know exactly well it's typical bmw yeah. you know
0: uh, Options, you know, it's, it's yeah. BMW break my wallet. Yeah, the saying, break my wallet. That's the first time I hear that. It's good. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, like I said, the the, the car, uh, the car drives wonderfully. Um Inside, you've got the new curve display with the eighth generation iDrive. So you basically get the same uh, infotainment and uh, interface as you get on pretty much all BMWs right now from the i7 all the way down right um so it's it's a neat system once you figure it out because there's so many sub menus so many so yeah but to give you an an idea uh with the with the manual transmission there's a rev matching you know for the engine when you're downshifting but you by way of the iDrive you can turn that off simply by pressing on one of the one of the, the 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 screens to 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 access the menu for okay. the M drive and things like that. And you can just turn it off. That's and, it. And then you're blipping the throttle yourself, which is what I like to do.
1: Okay. But the fact
0: that you can do that, you know, it's mm-hmm. very
1: driver focused. Yeah, deal. exactly. Yeah. Once
0: you get to know, understand all the menus, and there are a lot of sub menus and things like that. But once you figure that out, you're good. You know, right. you can really tune the the car. There's also a, a a drift feature. You can adjust the angle of the car that if you want to go drifting and things like that. That's the only downside, perhaps, to this drive is that when we when I drove the first generation M2, it was at Laguna Seca. When I drove the M2 CS of the previous generation, it was at Mossport. And now we've got the new one, and they didn't book a track in Arizona. So we only had the public roads. So there's a limit to what you can do in terms of... To push it. To push it, because, you know, quite frankly, there are other people on the road, and not to mention our friends who drive you know, cars with lights on top. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, there's a... Break so, my wallet. <laughs> yeah, <you know>, exactly. <laughs> or something else. But, um, you know, like that, it, it would have been nice to to have been able to drive it on a racetrack to really push it to the max you know so we didn't quite get to do that however the roads in Arizona the area of Arizona north of Scottsdale where we were is a very nice proving ground but again you know we didn't get to push it to the absolute limit and if you're reading somewhere somebody who drove this car who said that he pushed it to the limit and he threw it sideways and He's either lying or he's a very creative writer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> because, you know, on public roads, you can't really do that. Yeah. On, on especially track, that type of car. Exactly. You know, yeah. So, but at any rate, um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it, it, it's, it's an interesting car. And so for, you know, at first, at launch, there's only going to be five colors available. So you're basically looking at. Uh, Toronto Red. That's oh, what they wow. call their red shade of red at BMW. There is a <clears throat> Zandvoort Blue, which looks like a baby blue, really good looking. I saw red. that one, yep. yeah. Uh, Brooklyn Grey, uh, Alpine White, and Sapphire Black. Okay. For now, those are the only five uh, colors you can get. Later, they'll add other colors, but they won't be able to add the frozen matte colors uh, for the M2 because the plant where the the Series two is built now. All of the Series two uh, models is in Mexico, and that plant is not uh, set up. It's to not tooled those, for, the, uh, for the for the, the matte colors. For, okay. Yeah, for the matte colors. So okay. that maybe eventually they'll be able to you know make an addition to the paint shop to do some frozen colors for this. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not really. You know.
1: Uh, not really worried about it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A very cool drive of the uh, the new BMW M2. I can't wait to see it on the road. Last week, I was in uh, Asheville. Uh, North Carolina to drive uh, the Mercedes-Benz GLE lineup still under embargo meaning we can't talk about driving impressions now Uh, the Mercedes-Benz GLE family SUV got a a little bit of retouches aesthetics as well as technology we'll know more about that once I complete my drive uh, next week and you can uh, keep posting on the site but uh, as well as on the podcast I'll be talking about it because there's a lot of cars in that lineup and a lot of stuff we're going to get some of them we're not going to get so, we will keep you posted on that. Uh, Gab, you're going to uh, Western Canada to drive a very popular model here.
0: Yeah, the Subaru Crosstrek. So, obviously, uh, uh, this is a new generation for this model. It was introduced uh, not too long ago. And in New York City, as a matter of fact, they introduced the uh, Wilderness uh, variant, of uh, the yes. cross so we'll do nest
1: everything at Subaru now. Yeah, exactly. So more
0: <laughs> more black uh, body cladding and and things like that. Yes. Um but it's going to be yeah, I'm looking forward to to driving the cross Crosstrek because it is in my estimation, you know, one of the best um, uh, it's got the best suspension setup for yes. North American roads. Yeah, that's, you know, a, because that's a good we, point. <laughs> you, we have some some pretty crappy roads sometimes in North America. Yeah, and the way that they've designed the suspension on the cross it's got you know quite enough in terms of movement, and, and right. it absorbs bumps really well. And it, for a small uh, SUV like that, it's probably the you know the best riding uh, SUV in in that in that category for ride comfort. Yes. So I'm looking forward to see how the new one fares on on that account. And obviously, you know, you still get reacquainted with that, you know, great boxer engine and things like that and everything yeah. that makes a Subaru a Subaru. A Subaru. <laughs> so um looking forward to uh, to driving the uh, the Crosstrek uh, out in uh, out in BC. And we'll be able to report on that once, once
1: I get back. Of course. Uh, one more thing. Probably I'll be driving the GMC Canyon 84X. That's the, uh, uh, the midsize uh, pickup truck at GMC. 84X means a whole lot of off-roading bits, namely uh, Multimatic suspension components and a whole bunch of uh, other uh, stuff that's been added to this vehicle that's been revamped. Uh, so maybe we'll have time to talk about it in the next episode. Maybe we won't, but that's another drive that's going to happen. But I have one question for you. Yes. Will you get it dirty? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if it's got gold, multi-matic gold uh, underneath, it has to go in the mud. But yeah, the uh, you don't want to see that gold tint on the on the uh, the, the suspension anymore. It's the the multi-matic sig- signature. That's what it's for. Uh, but yeah, more power: uh, 310 horsepower, 430 foot-pounds of torque for the uh, the GMC Canyon, which ditched the uh, the old the corporate 3.6 mm-hmm. engine as well as a diesel. Uh, so we're going to be uh, trying out that high-output four-cylinder engine. And uh, that's going to be it. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening for this, uh, to this 12th episode of the Car Guide podcast. Follow us also on uh, social media, but certainly take a look at the drives we, talk, we spoke about today on the website. It's going to be more details, more impressions, and especially more photos and videos uh, for you to watch. So thank you very much, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. So long, and take care. Thank you for listening to the Car Guide podcast.
0: Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at
1: carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.